now I know for each show, I have to have fun. I have to enjoy what I'm doing because we all work so hard. It's not worth it if we're not enjoying it. Hello and welcome to The Mental Game of Musical Theater. I'm your host, David Eggers. Let's get started. Hey, so I started recording for this podcast idea back in June of 2021, and that's when this one was recorded. At the time, Ray Lee was waiting to see if Once Upon a One More Time, that Britney Spears musical that he'd done out of town, was actually going to happen. Isn't it crazy to think that it's now come and gone? But I think what's really fantastic about this episode is that we never really know how things are going to go. As a matter of fact, now Ray Lee is in Sweeney Todd. He's on Broadway in a show that wasn't even on his radar at the time. And the things that he says about more diversity in theater are so important. Since we recorded, there has been a Black Elphaba. There has been a Black Seymour. Some progress is being made. A lot more work has to be done. Let's get to the episode. I hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Hey, oh my gosh, I'm so excited for today and this episode because we have with us one of the people I love in theater. I mean, yes, there are a lot of people I love in theater. That's totally true. But Ray Lee is an amazing human. He is a parent. He's a husband. He is uh, really talented, uh, always working, um, just a positive force in the industry and in his corner of the world. So I'm super excited to bring him on. Ray, thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, David. And yes, go cats. <laughs> yeah, Northwestern, exactly. I was gonna talk about that. We both went to the same university. I wanna tell people a little bit about, first of all, your resume. So you just have to take this for a moment, okay? I know that, I know it's hard when other people start talking about you, but I just want people to know and have some context for the conversation we're going to have. Um, first of all, okay, let's lead with the Broadway credits. Uh, Mamma Mia, um, Honeymoon in Vegas, uh, Anything Goes, Groundhog Day, Aladdin, um, a lot of really cool off-Broadway credits as well. We first met doing um, Two Gentlemen of Verona for the Public Theater Shakespeare in the Park, a magical experience, I would say. Yes. Um, that was really cool. Um, but you've also done uh, some things at City Center, like Applause and The Wild Party and Mac and Mabel, and then Soft Power, which I'm just going to asterisk because, hello, we have got to talk about that show during totally. this conversation. Um, totally. Regionally, you've also done... Um, a couple of shows at the Muni, you've worked in Philly, uh, you worked for ACT in Stuck Elevator, a cool play, Tiger Style, another really cool show, La Jolla Playhouse. Um, you've also got film and TV credits, I noticed, Marriage Story, Ghost Town, a couple of films, um, some TV, The First Lady, uh, That Damn Michael Che, which I see advertised all the time right now when I get online, um, The Jim Gaffigan Show, Succession, Billions, Red Oaks, Smash, and as well as a whole list, probably of voiceovers. I know you've done audiobooks, commercials. I still see you on TV and commercials right now. Cha-ching. Thank you, yay. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, and Northwestern, which we we, uh, we said earlier. So, I mean, a huge body of work already. Um, oh, and you're, uh, I would say, many years younger than I am. So it's very impressive. But today, really, Ray, I want to talk about how you deal with mindset matters that come into play as you're 
forging this career and the life that you have as well, because I know there, you, you're also creating a beautiful life for yourself. You're, you're married, uh, lovely husband, and you guys are parenting. You have a beautiful little girl and, you know, and, and you, you're building a life for yourself. And, you know, Mindset Matters is really what this is all about. Totally a mental Olympics. I just want to say it is a mental Olympics <laughs> staying afloat in this business. But did you know that coming out of college? I, I, let's go back to those college days because I feel like uh, a lot of folks who are just getting started might be hearing this podcast. So when you were when you were in college, did you know that you wanted your career to look like this? You know, I think when I was in college, um, I was still struggling with if there was room for me in this business. I think, um, especially as an Asian American, more pop singer. I mean, the shows that I was pushed towards were like Miss Saigon and King and I, like those were the songs I should have had in my book. Um, you know, according to, to, to certain teachers and professors. And so I was wondering if there's room for me. So when I left, I kind of, I had another career path, but was still sticking my foot in the acting world Okay. And once that door fully opened, like with two gentlemen, it was like, oh, there is room for me. And then I fully immersed myself in it. So okay. that's how I kind of approached that. How much time was there between those two points? That was, was it fairly quick for you? What was it? I think because I graduated in 04. Was two gentlemen 06, 2006? Oh, God. 2005? It might have been. I think, I think it was. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. go with 06. That sounds good, but I'm yeah. not really sure. I remember booking it too because I was, you know, I was still non-union, um, and I remember going to like the singing for Kathleen on the stage of the public. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> I remember going to the dance call, freaking out because I don't consider myself a dancer. I consider myself a singer who moves. I can try and keep up with the best of them, but uh, I remember booking the job and just being so excited. It was like, first of all, working with this amazing, incredible team. Um, that incredible cast being in the park, like you dream about that as a student and yeah. to kind of have that as my New York debut was like, there's room for you. Keep going. It was, it was a big step for me. That's awesome. So you obviously had the talent. You obviously had the, I would call it confidence, I guess, in order to even like, you know, put yourself out there in that way. You were questioning, is there a place for you? But mm -hmm there you were at that audition. So you must've found some way to sort of like go for it, or I've got nothing to lose or somehow have that mindset uh, and had the confidence to be putting yourself out there. I must've faked it really well. Cause I was not confident. I was like, Oh my God, Ray, you are going to get fired any minute. Cause everyone will see how new you are, you know? And then even with talent too, like I always am aware that there's for me, like personally, there's just more talented people. There will always be someone for me that can sing better, that can act better. Um, and so that kind of helps me keep grounded and humble. Um, there is like a bit of ego in me to survive that says, you can do it. You deserve to do it and show them what you got. So there's a weird, delicate balance of believing in yourself, but not too much. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Staying humble and being a good person and all of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree. And especially when you're young too, like you're still trying to figure out the world and the industry. And um, I think I gave off a confident vibe, but I felt like I was maybe also overcompensating for just how terrified I was of finally being in New York and 
being in this business and um, just making sure that I was able to have a career. So if like Ray now could talk to Ray at 22, I would just give him a hug and be like, it's going to be fine. Just do your thing. Be a team player. Don't be a diva and just, just do your thing. Yeah. So. Oh, I love that. And that's one of the things that I would always want people to share with our, our audience too, is what would you say to your younger self? And so you just answered that, which is awesome. So you had this first experience. Did that boost your confidence or, or did that imposter syndrome set in so heavily? It's so weird when we get our first jobs. Let me just say that <laughs> because yes. it is a feather in your cap, but at the yeah. same time, do we not fear like, Oh my God, they're going to figure me out. And it's going to be the last time I ever work. Um, Totally. I feel like each job I'm like waiting for like something to happen for them to realize I'm not as good as I portray myself to be. And this is how many years, 20 years later Um, with that show, uh, you know, again, being my first show in New York and my first professional job, I had those fears and feelings. And then there was a point where I just had to tell myself, Ray, you have to enjoy it. Look what you're doing. Look where you are. You're outside at the Delacorte. You're working with these people. Enjoy every minute of it. And so I had to really kind of um, give myself a reality check. And from then, even when I'm d- dancing in my suede outfit next to Norm Lewis and Renee Lee Goldsberry, it was like, I just had fun. And that was a turning point for me. And I now I know for each show, I have to have fun. I have to enjoy what I'm doing because we all work so hard. It's not worth it if we're not enjoying it. Right. That's a really good point. Well, I'm glad that you had that epiphany while you were there in the middle of doing that job. Um, And yes, you name dropped a moment, which, uh, oh my gosh, there were so many huge stars in that show. People who now have like these amazing like film careers. It's it's nutty. When did Mamma Mia show up for you in your life? Was that right after that? Or because I feel like wasn't that your first Broadway credit? Yeah, Mommy was my first Broadway credit, maybe like two years after Shakespeare in the Park. I had been auditioning for that show for two years, <laughs> two years, um, had always gone in for the ensemble, for Pepper, for Eddie, um, for various rounds. And um, there was a time when I thought, I just don't think it's going to happen for me. But each time I go in, I got to show them what I can do and let them know that if I'm cast, I'm going to. I'm going to bring it. So each time I just made sure to have fun. I made silly, stupid choices <laughs> <laughs> during our dance improv sections. Um, and I was actually at my survival job. I was a PA at MTV, um, was auditioning for another show. And my agents asked me to come in and I thought, oh, God, they're going to drop me. I'm not booking enough. And they called me and said, Ray, you booked you booked Mamma Mia. And I remember thinking, oh, the tour, I can't wait to travel, see the see the country. They said Broadway. And I think I blacked out for a good like five minutes. <laughs> Talk about dreams coming true and talking about for me as a kid and especially as a Korean American kid, my parents hadn't really believed in me with all this stuff. And at school, I had heard a lot of no's. I had heard a lot of no's while in New York. So to get to that moment of being on Broadway was something that just I just cherished. I treasured it so much. Wow. Yeah. Well, you've brought up now a couple of things that I want to ask you about. So talk to me about the family dynamics. Were your was your family concerned for you? Did they want you to go into something else? Yes, they are. They are immigrant Korean parents. My mom's a pharmacist. My dad's an engineer. So it was like science, 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 science. And I was supposed to be a doctor. Okay. Uh, my brother was supposed to be a dentist. Oh my gosh. <laughs> we 
both clearly are not. <laughs> but there was this, I think because they immigrated here and it was all about science and stability and they knew nothing about the arts. Um, so there was none of that support growing up. They had put me in violin lessons. And so that's how I learned music. Because wow. I feel like all of us were, all of us Korean kids in church were put in the orchestra. <laughs> and my first time seeing or working on a show, I was in the pit orchestra of chess in high school. And I just remember thinking, this is incredible. I want it, but I want to be on stage. The pit's cute, but I want to be up there. They're having more fun. And that, that that's where it kind of turned for me. And then, so you did have a survival job too. That's the other thing I heard you say. I mean, it's hard to live in New York. So, yeah. um, and I had survival jobs as well. So was it a flexible job that you had, first of all, because you wanted to be able to go to these auditions? Working at MTV was like my main survival job. And I had some amazing bosses that I'd be like, hi, I have to go to a dance call. Will you let me out for like two hours? I'm like, sure, just make up the work. So I'd be at the office till 10 o'clock. But between those freelance MTV jobs, I like delivered cookies. I worked at law firms. I um worked at Starbucks. Like I tempted. And I would always make sure that the jobs knew that I needed time to go audition. Cause it was like, you know, it's like you're in New York, you're, you have a survival job, but that's not what I want to do. And I wanted to make sure that auditioning was a priority. And I let them know I'm willing to work late. I'm willing to work from work at home, but this is important to me. And this is why I'm here. Mm -hmm. And once I proved that I was a hard worker and I could solve their problems and I was willing to go the extra step, people were really good about letting me out for auditions. So that's how I kind of balanced it. I want to point that out because I feel like that's a really important thing that a lot of people don't really give any uh, thought to, which yeah. is how important it is to bring commitment and enthusiasm to anything you do. Yeah. Because Agreed. look, that 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 uh that worked out well for you. You were rewarded for bringing that kind of commitment, even to mm. what are, would you say, delivering cookies, working in yeah. a law firm, whatever. Yeah. yeah, I think there's. I think if you approach a problem, or even like that, if you go in with a sense of entitlement, I just think there's less room for negotiation. And if you go into softer, willing to work together, willing to go a little bit the extra mile. I generally feel like people are able to make the exceptions and that's what happened with me. And because of those relationships and those exceptions, I was able to book Mamma Mia and book my first couple jobs as an actor. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that. That's awesome. And it speaks yeah. highly of you too, because it just, it speaks to the fact that uh, where your mind is at, you know, just about mm -hmm. anything you do, honestly. Because it's hard too, David. It's like sometimes I have friends too who sometimes their survival job becomes their career. Right. Because, you know, it becomes what, what they're comfortable with. And I've had some friends now, you know, in their 30s that have decided to finally, um, and I applaud them, that to take the initiative to be like, this is not what I want to do. I've become comfortable. I'm going to go after what I finally want to do. And I'm like, I applaud you. Go, go do it. Life is too short. I saw the same thing. There were extremely talented people all around me yeah. when I graduated from college. And some of them, that happened to them too. They yeah. they took a survival job of some kind and then yeah. got used to a certain way of living. And then that just beca it became their path instead of the other thing. And, and, you know, to each their own. I don't want to judge in any sort of way. I know this question is, comes up a lot, so I'm going to ask it to you. 
and I feel like maybe you said something about it earlier, but um, with auditioning, mm-hmm. do you still get nervous? Oh, yes, I do. I still get nervous after all these years. I still get the butterflies. I still want to pee my pants a little bit. <laughs> I still want to puke after it's over. <laughs> I don't think I'll ever get used to auditioning. Yeah. And sometimes I feel like it gets harder as I get older because I just can't remember stuff anymore. I try and remember the sides. And I'm like, what am I supposed to say? Or even at a dance call, I'm trying to remember the dance moves. And I'm like, wait, what step comes next? I'm like, I have dad brain. I I can barely remember (laughs) what happened 10 minutes ago. Um, But there's also like now with auditioning, like a freedom of I'm just going to go in there, see what happens. I used to plan every single step of every audition really every choice yeah as a kid as a a youngster and now i just go in i'm like i have the words i have the intentions i've kind of outlined what i want to do and let's just see what happens but the nerves don't go away so how do you what do you do to help cope with the nerves because i really think it's a coping situation more than anything you can't get rid of Mm -hmm. them so how do you cope with them I just kind of weirdly embrace the nerves. I'm always like, how can I use this nerves for the character? So I feel like I generally go in for like awkward, nerdy characters, or those are the ones I book. It's almost like using it, using that energy. How can you best use that energy? How how best can you funnel it? And also for me, I know when I'm nervous, I just totally forget lyrics. I forget words. I know there might be a point in the in the audition. I just have to improv, and Jesus will take the wheel. <laughs> You know, we'll see what we're, it'll turn into whose line is it anyway. Um, it's hard. You almost have to just acknowledge it and be like, you're here. I get it. But I've worked so hard to get to this point. Please don't take it away from me. You almost talk, I almost talk to my nerves like a person. <laughs> really? Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Almost like this, like, hey, you're here. I know you're here. Please don't mess this up. We're, we're, we're in the same body. Um, and for me with nerves, the nerves that I get at audition sometimes are less than the nerves I might get before a show, before an opening night. So they'll they'll always be there, I feel like. And so it's almost just kind of like, again, embracing it, acknowledging it, mm-hmm. and then feeding it a milkshake after the audition is done. How awesome. <laughs> hey, this is David popping in here to let you know I'm also working on a book all about the mental game of musical theater, and I'd love for you to check it out. Head over to profeggers.com. That's P-R-O-F-E-G-G-E-R-S.com for information and to be one of the first to get your hands on this book. It's going to help you as you prepare for, pursue, and build your career in musical theater. I appreciate you checking it out, and I appreciate you being here. So let's get back to the episode. So now I want to get into something else that's important to both of us uh, to talk about too, because this is all about mindset. And, you know, here I am conducting this, this conversation and kind of leading us through it. But, you know, I undoubtedly have unearned privileges and blind spots because of those unearned privileges, being a European American, Caucasian guy, you know, cisgender, able-bodied gay man. So I want to invite you in to talk about what's it like to sometimes go to an audition with awareness that you are Asian American, Korean specifically, right? Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, proud Korean American here. Um, I think I've just always been very aware of my race. Um, 
especially doing theater, especially being in the arts, because I think when we were in school, I feel like we we're at school at similar times. I thought it was it was all kind of about what type you were, mm. um, physically, character wise. So I felt like I was very boxed in and very aware of of my Asianness, especially you know like. Hey, you got to have I Have Dream from King and I. You got to have the American Dream in your book. Make sure those are always in your book. And I thought, but that's not who I am. I'm more of a Princeton from Avenue Q. So I've been, always been very aware of it. And as I've gotten older in this career, I've also realized when um, I go to like a token call. Tell you know, people what you mean by that. You know, I think when I first came into the city, there was always... Um, I always felt like there was predominantly white casts in shows and then maybe one or two roles went to somebody of color like me and you'd go to a dance call or you'd go to a, a, a role. And I feel like one role in a show, you know, the team might be like, let's make this the role that a person of color could be. And so you would go and it'd be like, this is the token role. There's my African-American friend. There's my Latinx friend. There's my biracial friend. So we were all very aware of the formula I saw the same thing happening over and over again. And I'm sorry, but it's also offensive just hearing you describe it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Somebody designated one specific role as like the role where a person of color would work great for whatever reason. I mean, that's offensive alone, but keep going. I I full on did like a a, a reading of a show and the, the person that had played the role before was Jewish and it was written very Jewish um, stereotypically Jewish, I will say. Oh and then I was brought in for this next level. And they, it was interesting to, that this was still kind of, quote unquote, the token role. Mm. They just went from Jewish, which they considered a race, a, right. a type, and decided to try another color out. So that's the stuff that I was very aware of. And um, But I'm also grateful now that people are more realizing it. They're asking more questions. Like, again, as a as a as a Caucasian man, I applaud and respect and and thank you for for asking the questions, for being aware of it, for for speaking about it, for asking people like me questions, because it's 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 therapy to finally talk about our experiences, because especially as an Asian American, I've I've put it away somewhere for so long Um that it's, it's nice and uncomfortable to talk about it now. It is, yeah. So I feel like at some point, Ray, because I follow you on social media, and I feel like at one point, not very long ago even, mm-hmm. you had posted something that was really um, encouraging to me in that you had been called in for an audition for something where in some sort of way you were aware that your race was totally irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if even what that show was or what that opportunity might've been, or maybe I misinterpreted what you wrote, but have you ever had that experience where you've just been brought in because you're good? Groundhog day. That was totally groundhog day. Um, The audition process was something I've like never experienced before where I remember going in for the part of Ralph um, and they asked us like, do you want to do the higher part or the lower part? And I'm like, high part, I need a gig. I need to let them know that let's, let's work this tenor track. And my friend Vishal Vaidya, who is also Asian American, um, he's Indian American was there as well. And I thought, of course, of course, Ralph is probably the token character. And I asked him, Hey Vish, so what are you going in for Ralph too? He's like, no, I'm going in for Larry. And I thought, wait, there's another role that people are seeing people of color for. <laughs> And that was what had happened the entire time. There were different people going in for different roles. 
it wasn't just that one token roll. And in the end, because Tim mentioned told us, he was like, yeah, the, the, the people that we vibed with that were the characters got it. We didn't care what color you were. We didn't care what age, what body shape, like, we just wanted you to have the essence of this character we wrote. And that was one of the highest compliments I've ever gotten and really made us love that process in that show even more. That is awesome. Amen to that. And may we please have more of that. <laughs> yes, it was such a relief. Like I remember almost like crying after that audition being like, this doesn't happen, but yeah, more of this needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And aren't we... Yeah. I mean, it's long past due. We're more than ready for just the the right humans to play the right parts. It doesn't matter what they look like or who they are. It's just, yeah, I feel like we're more than ready for that right now. And it meant a lot too, too, David. Like at the stage door, I would have Asian American kids come up to me and be like, it meant so much to see an Asian guy in a mullet with a small town U.S. accent just being an American, there was no justification for my skin tone. Right. You know, there was no line like he was adopted from Korea, but moved to Punxsutawney. Like it was, I just was, it was really, really cool. That does send a message, right? That absolutely sends yeah. a message. And, and yeah. thank God some of the, some people who, you know, needed to see it, saw it. I saw the show, by the way, you were brilliant. It was so funny. Thank you. you. So they made me great. tap dance again, David. I <laughs> tap danced. I had never tapped before anything goes. I was so afraid of getting fired my first week. I don't know how I bamboozled the entire team. And thank God for the cast members who taught me every single step and we practiced every show. Wow. And then we tapped again in um, in Groundhog Day and I just laughed. I laughed that I had begged my parents for tap lessons, but they made me take violin instead. Okay, so back to Mindset Matters that, you know, in which... Really, you know, being a person of color, you know, has an impact. Looking forward, why don't we do this? Why don't we talk about, since Groundhog Day in so many ways was, Mm -hmm. you know, an important and significant experience, not just Mm -hmm. for you, but for probably the rest of that cast, everyone who worked on the show, everyone who got to see the show. Hopefully there will be more of that. But moving forward, what do you hope to see with you know, theater as we, as we round out and kind of come out of this COVID time and all the turbulent events, you know, Mm -hmm. that have taken place over that period of time too, Mm -hmm. where do we find ourselves now as we move forward? More specifically, what do you hope to see the theater community embrace and be cognizant of as we move forward, I guess? You know, I think the way that Groundhog Day was casted, I want that to be the norm i want um like i guess especially with actors as actors of color that we don't have to go down a separate path in order to get a job than than our white counterparts um that we can also play a role that doesn't have to be justified to our skin tone if that makes sense like i would love to see um in little shop like an african-american seymour because he is seymour you right. know, I would love to see an Asian American play Alphaba finally because Hello. she's Alphaba, yeah. you know, without without the justifications. I think a lot of times, too, on Broadway and theater, um, you might a show might be casted diversely, but then sometimes that track stays the same ethnicity the entire run. And I think 
you go in, you do your thing. If a person emulates that character, they should get the job. I really, I really do. Um, I, I want to see more uh, consciousness when it comes to like Black Lives Matter, Asian hate, um, just more allyship. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that's what I want to see. I want to see us kind of learning a lot from this past pandemic and all the, all the stuff that has happened. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. As things do start opening up and as auditions start coming around and more jobs and more opportunities um, uh, uh, start start coming back on this fall, yeah. you know, and, 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 you know, shows start performing again. And, you know, I keep sit, thinking to myself, God willing, there's no other surprise around the corner that we're like good to go for a while, you know. I said, if Godzilla shows up in September and wreaks havoc, I am done. done. (laughs) Seems like we've had just about everything else, doesn't it? Um, But but as as shows do come back online um, Mm. and you start putting yourself back into the game, if you will, what's what's one of your like, do you have any go to sort of like, we've heard a few of them, but go to mindset tools or like hacks that you use just to kind of keep your head in the right space? You know, one of the things I've learned is the more I obsess about something, the more it doesn't happen. You know, when I do an audition and there's a role and I'm obsessing and I'm checking my email every minute and I'm just putting the energy out there, it just doesn't happen. And and the ones that I audition, I'm like, I had a great time. I'm going to forget about it. Those are the ones that end up coming back to me. It's, it's, I can't explain it. I feel like the universe wants me to just let things go. As Elsa said, um, <laughs> also as dads too, um, family life is now a big priority. It's probably the main priority. Um, and because of that, I feel like I've just been more enriched. The devastations of not getting a job, don't matter as much because I still get to take my daughter to karate and watch her in her, you know, um, uh, onesie doing her cartwheels at gymnastics class. I get to teach her how to swim. There's stuff. Life takes precedence yeah. over career. And that took me a while to, um, to learn it. And it helps take, take away the pain of disappointments of this career as well. I, I used to tell myself and friends, you know, five years from now, what are you going to remember? Are you going to remember this staying home and, and, and doing this self tape and putting everything aside? Or will you remember going to this picnic with your friends and just having a great time? What are you going to remember? So that's what I try to live by. That's awesome. So there's a, there's yeah. a balance there for you. Yeah. You, you want to, you want to live because this career is so it's a lot, it takes a lot out of you. And so the more you live, the more you do the fun things and hang out with your friends and go to family reunions, I think the more energy you have to, the more resilience you 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 build up to to this career. And doesn't all that living also add to what you can do as an artist? Totally. All these life experiences, I feel like I have this like chest of just experiences now that I can like reach in and 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 get. I mean, recently I've go in for more dad roles. And mm. I'm so proud to because I know what it's like. We both know. We both yeah. know what it's like to, 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 to snuggle with our kids or put them in a timeout or, <laughs> you know, 
try and try and make them a snack or you know like we have these experiences to 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 use as actors i think that's really good advice and really important for people to hear um to keep that you know balance so that your your whole life isn't just the business or yeah. just that next audition or, yeah. um uh, and to not obsess like you said for young actors mm-hmm. um specifically let's say young actors of of some sort of color or or asian american actors or korean actors or whatever however you want to direct this question mm-hmm. because i'll leave it up to you what what advice would you want to give them or what would you want to tell them if they're just kind of getting started i would tell them don't let anyone box you in don't let anyone tell you what you can or cannot be do your thing and then let them decide where to put you. Because being boxed in, listening to other people, it just, it takes away your magic. It takes away your power. It takes away your artistry. Go into a room, sing the song how you want to, make the choices you want to, present yourself how you would present yourself, and then let them let them figure out what to do. Because you never know, they might make room for you. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's the mentality I would tell them. I just don't want other people to take away their power as a person of color or as a Korean American or as an Asian American, there's such magic in our heritage. So, yeah. Yeah. And so just so people understand then what does it look like when you do let people take away your power and box you in? Does that look like trying to be something you're not? Does it look like trying to fit in? What does that look like if somebody falls into that trap of, Mm -hmm. you know, letting other people, steal their power you know i think with being an artist it's so much about honesty especially with acting performing dancing you're honestly conveying who you are and when people take that away you just i i think you come off cross as not dishonest but like you just don't come off as you Mm -hmm. um and i think it's important especially the moment with auditions the moment i be i showed people who i am is when i started booking if that makes sense i tried to sound like Aaron Tevet. I try to sound like Paolo Monteban. I don't sound like them. Their voices are beautiful in their own ways. Once I went into a room and said, I'm just going to sing it the way I do. I started booking work and I still use love's revenge from two gentlemen. That is my go-to song. That is awesome. Great song. (laughs) (laughs) I asterisked the show soft power. And I want to come back to that ever, even if it's ever so briefly, first of all, I'm aware of the show. I think it's an amazing show. I love the score. Janine Tesori wrote the music yes. and she's a, I'm a, I'm a huge fan. It got a lot of attention. It's Dev, David Henry Huang, right? Yes. Who wrote the, uh, the book and um, the lyrics mostly. Right. And there's a recording, obviously people should know it, but hopefully there has more future life. I mean, David hints that there's more chapters to the journey of soft power. So we're all waiting to see what those chapters are. Um, I know, of course, Broadway is the goal. I, I It was at the public um, end of 2019. And we were so excited that people came. People really resonated with it. Um, it was um, at the it was before the election. And I know that the new version will be post-election. And I'm so curious to see oh. what David does with it. But it's a smart, amazing, just a different piece. Um, yeah. Innovative as hell. So, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. they made me roller skate. Something else that was not in my special skills, but somehow I still do. So oh, that is so funny. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm really curious to see what happens with that show and um, uh, and how the rewrites continue to shape 
that show yeah. and um and oh my gosh uh unless there's something better that's around the corner for you mm-hmm. uh and that gets in the way i will be looking forward to hopefully um seeing you Thanks, in soft David. power we are crossing our fingers too right now i have um the britney spears musical once upon a one yes, more time I is is hopefully on track we're still waiting to hear official word for us but um we're excited about that and that talk about diversely cast that is one of the most diversely beautiful cast shows i have been a part of and hope and will be a part of um awesome led by two asian american directors like i'm awesome about princesses taking their stories back like to the tune oh, of Britney Spears. Wait. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait. We're still waiting. We're still like okay. all of us. It's that like waiting game where I think they're all yeah. waiting for the logistics and to hear from our uh-huh. union and this and that. But rehearsals ended two weeks um, and then COVID hit. So yeah, we are all excited to reunite because, man, that that really hurt to just all of a sudden of be, be stripped away from each other. And we still keep in touch. There's a really awesome text chain. So And I'll be crossing my fingers for you on that. Um and that's fantastic to hear that it's beautifully, diversely cast and led by Asian American. Yeah, Keone and Marie. They are um, Asian American um, hip hop choreographer directors, and they are awesome. badass. So awesome. That's yeah. really exciting. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, let's start wrapping this up. How about I ask you? I didn't warn you about this, but I've got some. I'm calling it lightning round questions for you at the end. Sweet. And and the last question is really has to do with our prior conversation, which is looking toward a theater that just cast people because they resonate with that character. Okay. okay. All right. So that's the last question. I did warn you. Okay. All right. But the first question, a lot easier. What was the last play or book that you read? Ooh, last book I read. Oh, okay. it was a Veggie Tales book. I read it with my daughter. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Perfect answer. Yeah. Love that. But the last book, the adult book I read was the Trixie and Katya book. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, I uh, What about, do you, do you listen to musicals? Yes, I do. Do you listen to music? Okay, good. Because this next question sort of assumes that. What was the last musical that you listened to? The Wedding Singer. Oh, I you're kidding. I love that album so much, David. <laughs> so much. <laughs> Yes. I'm not judging you, but do you know I replaced in that show? Yes, I know. That's what I'm like. What what track did you play, David? Because I was obsessed uh, with that show. I was the track that had to be the body double for... Um, oh, for oh, uh, I, uh, of course, I don't even remember the characters' names. But Robin, and, Robin Herder and I went into the show at the same time. And we were the body doubles for the old lady and the other guy. And we had to do the worm yes. across the stage. Yes. That, me ridiculous ridiculous oh my gosh i mean come out of the dumpster is a shower song i have no idea why it's just come out i just i love i don't know why i love that show and that was right after two gents because i remember tracy booked it and i went to go see tracy beezer and in the wedding singer right after that do you watch tv that's another pre-qualifying question yes i do what show are you currently hooked on um, this is so trashy. I just finished The Circle season two on Netflix. It's a trashy reality show, but it's so good. But we are going to start Sweet Tooth on Netflix as well. That one we're going to start. Oh, we are going to too. We're going to. Are you going to try watching it with your daughter? Um, we're going to watch it just me and my husband because we're not sure like what age yet. But... I don't know yet either. We haven't tried it, but but it's on our radar as well. In fact, yeah. today is my kid's last day of school, so I <sighs> thought maybe tonight yeah. that would be like our sort of popcorn 
watch something together, kind of hey, stay up late. Kind of thing. Well, and they're older and they're like cooler. I feel like it would totally be in their wheelhouse. Your kids <laughs> have gotten so big. They're so, they're like oh, my- adults. They're so crazy. It yeah. happens so fast. You know, just look yes. at how much she's changed over the years. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. My son, P.S., is almost as tall as me. <gasps> Next question. Favorite snack food? Oh no, goldfish cookies, but that's because I would snack on Ella's at like 11 p.m. That's what's available. Now I'm hooked. Are these crackers or cookies? You said goldfish cookies. Yeah, those like goldfish pepperidge farm cracker cookie things. Cracker, yeah, yeah, yes. The, the like shaped like the little yes, fish. Yes, I can eat them by the handfuls. It is so trashy. <laughs> that with like a lemon drop or a Manhattan, that's my go-to at night. Hey, we're not that different from each other. Um, my go-to at night is... Uh, Peanut butter filled pretzels. <gasps> yes. And with the gin and tonic. So yeah. there you go. Trader Joe's. Are they the Trader Joe's kind? Preferably Trader Joe's. But if I can't make it, I'll take the like plastic bin from my local grocery store. Great. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So then here's the final lightning round question. What role do you want to play on stage? Seymour oh. from Little Shop or Leo Bloom from The Producers? Yes. Those are the two. I see them happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my God. And I can't wait. Oh my gosh. Just to be like on stage as Leo Bloom with like dancers around me singing. Oh, I would, I would live dream come true. That has got to happen. So from your mouth to God's ears to some, you know, future or current producer person who's listening to this right now, cast this guy. Yes. Um, Let's make it happen. Hey, Ray, if people want to ch- find you on uh, social media or, you know, follow you like I do, where can they find you? They can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Raymond J. Lee. Um, I also have a voiceover Insta at Ray Lee VO. And those are my two. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I thank you so much for this for today. Oh. I know that people who get a chance to listen to this are going to get a lot of value oh, out of hearing about your journey your experience, how you deal with life and mindset matters. Thanks so much, Dave, for having me. This was so so much fun to just like chat. Just two hashtag gay dads. Happy Pride yeah. chatting, Happy man. Pride. <laughs> hey, thanks for being here today. If you enjoyed this episode at all, please take a moment to leave a review with high marks. You wouldn't believe how much a positive review helps this podcast to reach more people. Then head over to profagers.com to check out my book, all about the mental game of musical theater. And lastly, no matter how you spend the rest of your day, bring enthusiasm to it. You only get this day once, and life keeps getting better and better when you bring enthusiasm to everything that you get to do. Thanks again for spending part of your day with me. Until next time, this is Prof Agers signing out.